Mr. Mike Selby, how are you, sir? Very good, Mr. Matthew Gordon. Okay, but you, you, you've just you've just jumped off yet another aeroplane. You've been in Europe, have you not? Uh, I have. Uh, I was in Lisbon yesterday attending the International Nickel Study Group meetings where I was asked to present uh, Crawford and the Timmins Nickel District. So uh, was was excellent, very well received. So it, it's a good, good, well-informed audience uh, to be able to make that kind of presentation. So, oh, for sure. I mean, what, yeah. what sort of people were in attendance? Yeah. So basically, you know, this is a statistical gathering body for all things nickel. Um, but obviously, you know, you've got key analysts and um, you know, big, you know, people from key, key the, each of the key Western producers there, you know, to, to really sort of have a, you know, make sure that they're coming up with a view that makes sense for everybody. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, generally pretty good group, group of people in terms of, uh, uh, the, the Western nickel market. Well, and, all, and also in attendance, U.S. government in the form of DOD, is that right? Yeah, so the, yeah, w which was great. I went uh, to the, the Treasury Department back a few months ago, um, and so it was good uh, to be able to interact uh, again with you know one of the key people in the government who's, who's you know responsible for looking at all things nickel um, as they roll out their critical mineral strategy. So, and what do you think they got away from? Got got out of it, right? I mean, because obviously they're starting to pay attention. We're seeing them turning up at you know uranium sessions, copper sessions, nickel sessions. So, what is it that they're trying to understand? And, you know, what did you think they walked away from yesterday's at meeting thinking? Yeah, I, I think they're, a, a, they're just trying to get it sort of a better view of in terms of, you know, where the supply demand sort of, you know, overall for the, for the market is. Um, and then obviously, you know, they, they, they do have key projects come in and present, you know, once in a while. So um, just, just sort of making sure that they're in the flow. Uh, of of uh, you know all things nickel and again you know their their key mandate here right is about building you know nickel supply chains um, you know that don't involve China um, and have more of them occurring in in friendly countries so you know that's that's sort that they're out there you know um, you know you know making that point making those connections and, and so on and so forth so. Right, and, and just in terms of, because I do want to get on to nickel price and obviously some big news from you uh, in a second, but just, just stick, sticking with this um, INSG uh, meeting in it for, for a few more moments, is, um, again, DOD will be looking at this and going, I'm trying to work out where the supply is coming from, what exists at the moment, what it's going to do in terms of you know you know future demand and, and how do I make sure I'm front of the queue for that, I, I, I'm sure. So... In, in terms of the sorts of numbers that were being talked about, sort of like who's supplying, wh you know, wh where it's going, et cetera. And again, anything you can tell us from on that side of things? Yeah. So the, the, the good news on the is on the demand side. You know, they're looking at, you know, eight to nine percent you know, demand growth, you know, again for the coming year. And so, you know, literally when you look at the, the growth average growth so far this decade, we're about almost nine to 10 percent, uh, you know, for the first three years of this decade. Again, I've said many times on the show, the analysts are underestimating demand. I can tell you most analysts don't have anywhere near that number. And remember, we're just getting going in terms of re, you know, EV sales in places like the US that will use lots of big nickel batteries. So, you know, the key thing is if, if you start rolling out nine or ten percent uh, out six or seven years, you know, my five million ton plus forecast ends up being something that looks like a six million ton plus forecast. So, you know, um, so that that was good. Uh, the supply, obviously, we've got lots of supply coming through. The, the challenging part is, you know, the, the INSG has had numbers like this, you know, for the last year and a bit now, 
you know, showing, you know, quite, quite significant surpluses, but, you know, there are a lot of participants at the meeting who are kind of challenging the numbers to say, okay, you know, if we're in surplus, where is this surplus sitting? Because, you know, you don't see premiums, you know, and prices for class one products, you know, going down, right. Which you would think if there's an excess of supply, you know, nickel pig iron in China and Indonesia, it would be, you know, be sort of the most likely culprit. And yet, you know, for the last three weeks now, we've been talking about, you know, ore prices going higher, NPI prices going higher. So again, that doesn't sort of jive with the, um, you know, the surplus sitting around. So I, you know, we are in surplus, no doubt about it, but I don't think it's anywhere in that, that large. And, and, and again, I think what it is, is when you add new capacity, you need to fill that supply chain with feed to, you know, to fill that consumption. And you also have to fill the downstream product there. And because the battery cycle is pretty complicated relative to a stainless steel mill, you've got to, you know, for, for each gigawatt of battery power, you also have to have cathode production in a separate plant. And then you also have to have precursor production in a, in a, in a third plant, all of which are, you know, basically producing for the first time. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that there's a good 100, 150,000 tons of new in-process inventory that's basically going to be there forever, um, you know, for the most part. Um, but, you know, people aren't counting it as consumption. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how the year goes on. But uh, um, again, and, and, and getting from the market participants that, yeah, things are in surplus, but it's not... Uh, you know, no one, no one was bemoaning the, the current current market. So, I mean, well, like, let's very quickly make sure we sort of because um, you're going to some clues there. And with, with with regards to pricing, you know, we talked last time out about there's going to there's going to be we're going to see a little bit of downward pressure. It's broke through twenty thousand. Where where are we at now? And um, do you still kind of hold your view that it, it pops back up? Um, you know, end of the year, beginning of next. Yeah. So you know, again, that you know, generally. The, the longer the su- the support line that you break, the the more the more significant the reaction. And so, no surprise here. You know, we gapped down almost fifteen hundred dollars a ton in in a half. You know, in a few trading sessions, down to the eighteen thousand five hundred ton level. Um, you, we've been kind of hanging in there for the last week. Uh, I think we will go down to the seventeen thousand five hundred ton uh, per ton level, around eight dollars a pound. Um, you know, I think that's what we need to kind of you know basically sort of clear out. Uh, you know, uh, you know, let the bears do their dance, you know, get the the bulls on the sideline for a bit. Uh, and then no, you know, again, there's nothing I I've seen that would suggest that, you know, by year end, you know, we should see EV demand start to reasserting itself, you know, uh, strength in the stainless supply chain come through. Uh, and again, you know, we're coming off a a year where we were war in Ukraine, interest rates go up five X. Most of the global economy is in session. China is blowing up and nickel demand is still up 9% this year. So, you know, if you think some of those, you know, variables are going to flip, you know, into 2024, uh, you know, then it, you could maybe see, do we see 12%, 15% growth next year? You know, let's, let's see it. And, and again, I think that sets the stage for prices moving higher earlier and then you know at the end of this year early in the new year right okay so yeah, as far as far as you concerned this kind of great convergence is is still in line yeah yeah 100 percent with with this sell-off in 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 lme prices and in the corresponding prices in china um you know what was good we actually saw sulfate prices nickel sulfate tick up a little bit um so you saw the discount squeeze even further on that point we're almost back to where we were um before this 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 gap opened up NPI discounts as well narrow. They're still a little bit wide, but 
you know, they're a fraction of, of what they were uh, a while back. And as I said, in the, in the next six to 12 months, those should all normalize to, you know, what they historically should be. So um, we won't see much this week. It's it, this first week of October is one of the big holiday weeks in China. Um, and so things will be quiet for the next week and a half or so. Right. Okay. Well, look, a bit of company news. We, 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 let's start with you. Let's start with you. Big, big news from you. Go on then. Yeah. So after I stopped to see you last week, uh, at the end of the week there, we put out uh, our feasibility study conference call. So it'll be out October 12th. Um, very, very much looking forward to it. And we, you know, we talked last week about all the good things uh, that should be in there. Uh, you know, the other piece that we talked about was the successful completion of our carbon storage, IBT carbonation pilot plant um, that, you know, worked quite well, confirmed all the parameters uh, that we want to use in the feasibility study. So we, you know, we will be able to embed it in the feasibility study. And again, the big plot, and then the other piece of it is we'd work with one of the big consulting, global consulting firms, uh, you know, who came up with a $25 per ton carbon price. So when you have, you know, more than a million tons of carbon storage a year, you multiply it by 25, you know, that's a nice incremental, uh, you know, revenue uh, flow on top, which adds to the NPV of the project. And again, most importantly, you know, for the overall NPV is, is, is this carbon storage uh, refundable tax credit that the Canadian government has. So uh, we still have to apply for it. So it won't be part of our base case, but we will clearly have it there and, and, and you know, clearly show what the NPV benefit is. So, you know, again, it's, it's, it's significant and, uh, you know, we're uh, kudos again to the guys on my team, you know, who've pulled this together in just 14 months from, you know, first figuring this out. So nice. So fully loaded, ready to go. I look forward to that. I'll be uh, definitely listening into that one. I suspect a lot of people will be, will be too. Um, and you'll come back on and tell us all about it when it comes out. Okay. We must um, Bit of company news. Okay. Um, a company that we've not really, we, we spoke about them a bit back in 2019, early early 2020, uh, asking a few questions around price, um, uh, around um, their CapEx estimates. Now, they've had a bit of an unfortunate few days, and that's that's Horizonte Minerals. What do you know? What can you tell us? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, they, they were ticking along pretty nicely there. I mean, they had one bump up in, in, in capital costs, I guess, about a year and a bit ago. But that's, you know, again, we've seen inflation. Um, so, you know, that stuff does happen. But, you know, since that time, you know, and as, and as late as the beginning of August, they basically said, look, we're on time, on budget. Um, and, you know, they were about 65% complete. So, you know, normally if you're going to have a blowout, you would have seen, you know, you know, cost increases, you would have seen that show up, you know, a little bit earlier. And so, um, you know, uh, you know, they basically put out a release to say, oh, we're not starting first quarter. We're still, you know, we've pushed it out six months. So, you know, again, when you're six months from the finish line and you push it out another six months, that makes people nervous. And we, you know, capital costs might be going up by, by 30% versus what we previously, you know, had estimated. So, um, you know, it's got whacked hard. I, again, for people, you know, who are looking, I think maybe it's been a little, little, little overdone. Uh, it's a, it'll be a solid project when it gets up and going. It's one of the only new sources of supply. It's in a safe country. Um, so, and it'll, it should be relatively low carbon for Ferronickel because the height it's, it's hydroelectric power in that region. So, you know, in the long run, you know, it'll, it'll be a good source uh, of nickel going forward. Um, but, uh, they give some indications around water and so forth. So, uh, I, you know, again, these are these things investors don't pay much attention to. But if you actually operate and build a project, water management is a key issue. 
Uh, they just hired their ops director in August. I don't know if he went in there and said, oh, not sure, you know, I'm going to be able to operate this the way it's been constructed or something like that. Um, you know, because that's, you know, the only big change. And I'm just speculating here. I have no, 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 no specific information. But, um, you know, they've talked about having to do, redo some civils and, and so on and so forth. So it sounds like they, you know, maybe, you know, had a, a water management issue that they have to have to address, you know, before they start up, um, you know, something along those 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 lines. So, uh, again, hopefully they get it all corrected. Um, uh, they've got Orion and Glencore as two cornerstone shareholders. Um, you know, we'll see what, what happens in terms of the financing terms. You know, hopefully they don't have to raise too much equity, you know, on a post this kind of thump, um, you know, but but uh, we'll see how they come out. So I, I guess, you know, if you're willing to take some risk, you know, step in, it's down, you know, it, it's it's down almost 80% from where it was a week ago. Um, uh, or you might wait to see what the financing terms look like and then jump in off the back of the financing terms if you're a, a little, 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 uh, little risk averse at this point in time. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, I think it's a tough one for them because obviously they they have been mo- moving through through the phases and it's, it's, it's a case of you know because the market has hit them hard sixty percent yesterday. I think it's down again um, in terms of the last week and it's down again today. Um, they're going to need to say or do something to you know get get that uh, faith. Back as it were, it, just, it feels like one of those uh, Oscar Wilde quotes. You know, what what one increase in capex is misfortune, but a second one looks like carelessness. So um, we we wish them well um, with 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 dealing with that over the next few few weeks and months. I'm sure they'll be uh, the first to let us know when they've when they've solved things or got things um, back in line. So maybe maybe a buying opportunity. Um, if they say the right things, let's let's see what happens. Um, let's get on to um, Glencore, Crikey Moses. We've talked about this in the past. In terms of value destruction, the, <laughs> this is this is a great case study, but I'm not quite sure what for. Uh, what can you tell us? Yeah. So so again, this is this is what Horizonte won't be. Horizonte is using proven technology in a, you know, in a mining, you know, in a good mining jurisdiction. Um, you know, the Glencore and Connie Ambo are a great example of, of new process technology in a very challenging uh, political jurisdiction. So Glencore uh, basically started building uh, Connie Ambo back in the late 2000s. Uh, it's never come close to its, its design capacity. Instead of using the same technology that the Chinese now have built 100 RK EF lines in each of Indonesia and China, they decided to you know basically take some pieces that have been operated and, and put them together, um, and it hasn't worked out so well. Um, and you know, go, New Caledonia is a very tough place to do business. So you know, they probably put in 10 billion dollars, um, and they've now said, look at if 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 you know we can't renegotiate some stuff here. We're not providing any more funding to this operation um, in in uh, starting in February. So uh, again, I don't think you know, I don't think there is much that's go- you know going to change too much. Uh, the, the right now it's only a 50-50 joint venture with the northern government, um, but they're writing 100% of the cash. So you know we'll see we'll see what happens on that front. Uh, th- this this is also a really good exam you know a good thing and he's sort of reinforcing a couple of key themes that we've talked about this is the highest grade laterite deposit in the world you know the best grade you know by by a good 10 15 percent better 
than any other deposit that's been developed in the last 30 years. You know, grade is just one variable, right? So, you know, beautiful deposit and it's been an absolute financial disaster. The other piece is, you know, political jurisdiction, you know, being in an established mining region with people who know how to work at a mine, people, suppliers who know how to supply a mine, contractors who know how to build a mine, you know, being in an area where you have all of those in abundance versus a place where, you know, there's almost no in major industrial activity at all. And you basically have to build an entire ecosystem to go along with your project. You know, that's, you know, that's the kind of challenge they, they face in, in locations like this. And, you know, unfortunately it's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's been between Goro and Connie Ambo, it's almost like $20 billion of, of value destruction in the mining space. Wow. You know, 20 billion between Goro and Connie Ambo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if, well and done. If you think of if that had been plowed back into their Canadian operations in Sudbury or in, uh, you know, it would yeah. uh, be, be a markedly different story. So, so again, the, when, when these things happen, it, it's good to, uh, to, uh, you know, make sure we learn from them. So, and try not well, to. Well, but you, you make an interesting point. And I don't, I don't want it to get buried in, in, in all that kind of good stuff that you said, which, which is great. This is the highest grade nickel project in the world by, you know, by some, some distance. Yet, it can't make money. It actually, you know, we're talking about between two projects, a loss of 20 billion bucks so far. That's a lot of catching up to do if they can get it right. So grade is just one variable. Jurisdiction we're looking at, you know, the, the technically you've, you can't have something which works, you know. The flow sheet's got to be right and it's got to be built right and it's got to continue to to be be right um so like you know th there's so many so many things which affect uh company's ability to make money and make margins so um we'll, we'll keep banging that drum and maybe one day people will get it right um last company well second so the last company we're going to talk about today is um atlas materials now they've raised a bit of money recently haven't they yeah so it's it's good to see private equity money come into the space so um, you know, they've, they raised $27 million on a $115 valuation for a saprolite hydromet process that's unproven. Um, and so uh, great to see that kind of value. Uh, again, you've seen, you, you know, some of the initial car company investments have been on hydromet projects. Um, I don't know if they have, you know, special flutes that you play when you do it that somehow yeah. entrance investors with that. You know, I prefer proven pyrometallurgical processes that work. Um, so anyways, good to see, uh, you know, one of the things that I find difficult is, you know, there are two founding premises as to why this is such a game changer in terms of, of nickel processes is one, they basically say that, you know, before this process, saprolite ore, which is approximately one third of the world's current nickel resources was not economically viable for battery grade applications. Again, this is this class one versus class two nonsense ignoring the fact that all the saprolite ore is used to make mat, which is used to make very nice, good nickel uh, for use in batteries. So, okay, no need on that front. Um, and then this is the other thing Hydromet guys are always are always big on is that, you know, they can they claim, you know, that they can make nickel with almost, uh, you know, zero CO2, no waste or other emissions. All existing processes to refine nickel are costly and harmful to the environment due to their process emissions and waste dumps. A again, pyrometallurgically processing laterite ore 
uh, slag can be made, you know, inert. Um, it's used generally to help build the roads on the mine site. So it's actually not disposed of at all. There's, there's, you know, it's used for something else. So your solid waste is zero. Again, you know, if you don't put the right pollution control things to manage the emissions from the stacks, then there are some uh, various emissions there. But in today's world, you can capture the SO2, you can capture the CO2, and you can capture all the dust and the off gas. And so we're, you know, close to all of the dust and the off gas. You know, meanwhile, you know, they're talking about some sort of cementitious material. Uh, you know, again, these guys end up, there's a bunch of basically, you know, solid waste that comes out of this process, um, which has been chemically altered. You know, the stuff in each, you know, in some hydromet processes has to be stored underwater because it's reactive. They're, they're going to come up with something and, and hopefully they will. And that is not reactive. But, you know, again, the proof's in the pudding. Every hydromet disaster worked at a lab scale. You know, the, the Connie Ambo process, that's a pyro process. Um, but, you know, that worked you know, uh, worked at a lab scale. Um, and so, you know, fingers crossed here, um, to, uh, to, to see what happens there. So it's, um, it's interesting. I think it's interesting actually, you know, cause they've obviously raised what 27 million on a, on a $115 million price money valuation. Right. So they, that, that's good, but, but uh, just under a third, right. So 30% ish. And it's, um, it, it's, but it's got all the right the buzzwords, hasn't it? You know, you talk about, you know, because people say it, it must be true. And and I also, what makes me wonder, you know, how much of this is diligence and understanding the process and how much of it is ticking a few boxes in terms of the ESG component. And, you know, um, I guess at the end of the day, it kind of, it kind of doesn't matter. They got the money, but um, others who perhaps don't have this hydromet process, which which as you say, you know, with the right right pollution control and, and environmental equipment, yeah, people could could match match them potentially, um, but they'll struggle because it, it doesn't have the kind of green the green credentials. Yeah, and it's tough. It just is. It's, it's again, it's great to see private equity money come into the space, and I want the private equity money to be very very successful so that we get more private equity money because because again, I think that is you know. Private equity money does a lot of early stage oil and gas, and I think you know to get out of this kind of you know horrible funding you know situation we've really been in for the last decade, we need to see private capital come in. So I, I would just like them to m make investments in stuff that looks like you know is going to have a much higher probability of return than some of the stuff that they've invested in so far. So I'm mean, again maybe I'll be proven wrong, but we'll see what happens. Okay, well exactly, we we, we will see what happens. We do need new money. Um, we do need private equity money. Um, and, and quite frankly, the amount of CEOs, I think after three years of being beaten up and kicked around, uh, the fields are <laughs> saying to me, I don't think I'm going to do another public uh, company. I'm going to go private. The money is there. And I perhaps given the environment we're working into, this kind of you know, these new metal super cycle that um, we think is coming, um, maybe that's going to be a lot easier for companies. We shall see. We shall yep, see. We'll see. Mr. Mike Selby, I'll let you crack on because I know you are probably, uh, thanks, thank you very much for getting up so early to talk to us after jumping off another aeroplane. Um, but if, it kind of feels like good news. You're getting a lot of um, new ears and some pretty, pretty, pretty big um, companies, um, governments, uh, instant bodies looking, leaning into a nickel environment. Exciting times. Very exciting times. Take care, sir.